1: This is Who Killed Teresa, and I'm your host, John Allure. Heading out this morning
0: into the sun Riding on the diamond way, little darling one
1: We're trying to parse out the division of labor and um constructing uh, this book um, I've talked about that uh, uh, we're contracted with uh, Penguin uh, Random House to do about murders in the 70s, um, myself and Patricia Pearson. And, um, you know, so there's parts that I'm going to write, there's parts that she's going to write. I don't particularly want to write about my family. Uh, she can... <laughs> <laughs> she can take that on i don't want to do it so anyway she's she's been doing a lot of background in interviews with um foundation foundational people people you might imagine um and one of the things over the holidays we did was um i sort of had to construct a library for her of uh, a pictorial library um, not only of um of Teresa and my family and things like that, certainly photographs, uh, many photographs that have never been seen before that we want to keep really, really tight until the project's conclusion. But then also case files. She needs to see all of that as well to get a full comprehension of it. And it's like you can't, uh, I don't, I don't trust Google Docs. Um, I can, uh, I don't trust Google Docs. Period. Um, and I, I don't feel very comfortable, uh, you know, emailing this shit back and forth. You just forget it. So I built like a, a Flickr library uh, for her of, of this stuff. And then um, she said, what about the home movies? And um, <clears throat> it's, you know, like any family, uh, 60s and 70s, my dad had like an 8 millimeter um, camera. And we take home movies of stuff, and sure enough, we have a library of that. And some years ago, I think I think in the late '80s, early '90s, I converted all of that to VHS, um, like on a six-hour tape. And uh, the quality uh, the quality of mine wasn't very good, so I asked, I said, I said to my brother, "Do you, do you still have a copy of that?" He said, "Yes." Said, so you mind if I pick it up when I'm in Montreal? I said no. So I went and I got it, but it's 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 virtually useless. Um, the quality is is so poor. It's so faded on that stuff. Um, some of it has been seen. Well, the little snippets of it were used uh, in the W five uh, documentary they they did in 2005. Uh, Who killed Teresa? Which you can find on. <clears throat> the my youtube site if you just uh, search on youtube teresa lore and that's i'm not making it a picture this this will all all will be revealed here uh, where i'm going with this so anyway um um you know the vhs just wasn't going to cut it and, and i was like you know i gotta, i got to i got to find a way to digitize this stuff and so I did a little research on it, and uh, you know, commercial outlets. I think they charge a, a dollar a foot. Um, your standard eight millimeter roll from from the day was fifty feet, I believe. Three minutes, fifty feet. So you can do the math. That's a that's an expensive proposition. So I found out. I, I bought this machine. I bought a Wolverine Movie Maker Pro. And it converts 8 millimeter and Super 8 film um, to digital format. And what it essentially does is it painstakingly goes through and takes a, a digital image of every frame of, of, on that reel, you know, it, it's sort of like this. Just chugging along, taking pictures, right? and then you know it'll stall and you got to feed it again and it goes on right and it stalls you know or it breaks um the good thing is that um you know they've they've solved the light bulb problem uh, you know back in the day if you had a eight millimeter projector um if the if the if the footage stalled right um too long uh the heat from the lamp would just burn that sucker up, right? <laughs> it would go up with like a acetylene torch, you know, just... You no, know, get it out of there! You know, so you'd have to snip it and, you know, to get this little uh, machine that sort of cut the film and then you'd tape it together, you'd splice it, you know, with a piece of tape, that kind of thing. Um so anyway so I bought a movie maker pro and I I slowly went through and digitalized every single home movie w- we had and and put them like in a on a private play, uh, playlist on YouTube um for my family uh, but also for Patricia um so she could get I mean for me it's just was really important that she get a visual Sense of Teresa, um, like in in 3D density, uh, because you don't get that from uh, a photograph. Um, and I, I know every every murder victim is precious and unique and and all that, but you know, without um, spoiling what is I know going to be written about, I mean, to just see Teresa move. You know, from the time she was born till, I think, I think there's footage up till the year before she died, and she's just a, she's just a dynamo, Um, like Patricia saw some of it, and she was like, holy crap, I said, I know, I know. So anyway, uh, that is, that is private for now, Um, again, you know, until the, the, projects completion um some of the stuff i i made public though if you go to my youtube site there was some stuff i thought uh um, that was in the public interest that was kind of interesting My, my you know my father was an engineer so he's got stuff of um of him working in frobisher bay uh back when it was still part of the northwest territories uh, he built an airplane hangar for the US Air Force like in the late 50s there's a construction of the Trenton bridge which I made public in Trenton Ontario uh, those things so footage from the uh, Montreal Olympics in 1976 uh, that stuff and then and you know within that there are snippets where um, you can see you can see me in the 76 one uh, I think my mom and dad uh, when they're really younger and a couple of bridge construction projects, one. So, so anyway, so I built this library and sort of said, you know, because there needed to be this this brain dump uh, from me to her of, you know, what, what Christmases were like and what vacations were like and what the dynamic was like between the family and the relationship, you know, between her and me, which is different from the relationship between and my brother and you know all that all that kind of stuff that you can you know you can you can tell another person but it's so rich when you actually get to um to to see it so that that was a laborious undertaking and um you know when it when it all of this stuff is in my attic right and uh when it's over i um i found two uh, bags of of footage uh, clippings right basically this uh, i had at some point edited some films and just put the clippings into uh, two plastic shopping bags for you know like dominion dominion grocery store uh, shopping bags and just kind of stuffed all this footage in there. Um, and I'm like, do I do I really want to undertake this? Uh, undertake this now? Uh, and I go, you know, if I don't do it now, I'm, I'm never going to do it. So the first thing I do is I I take out a a, a strip um, about oh I don't know two. Stretch your arms out all the way, two lengths that long, which I think equates to about a minute long. And I I fed it into the Wolverine, the Movie Maker Pro, you know, and, and I'm watching this and I recognize that it's footage of a car going down the Autobahn in Germany and i'm like what the heck is this now back up about 35 36 years one of the standing jokes in in our house uh that my kids make fun of me about is uh in 1984 i uh when i was like a what is it? Sophomore, second year university. In the, we, we we Canada never called it uh, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. That's a, that's an American thing. It's first year, second year, third year, fourth year. Uh, anyway, in in my in my uh, sophomore year of school, um, I took um, a trip to Europe. Um, uh, and and bopped around by train and by a car uh, with a friend, um, but managed to have no physical proof that that trip ever took place whatsoever. There, not a photo exists of it. Um, mostly because I was such a, a vagabond gypsy, um, you know, that period of my life, you know, moving from Montreal, Toronto, Saint John. New York City uh, Houston Texas uh Los Angeles I mean Los Angeles um I would very very quickly lose things in, in in fact um when I left Toronto to go to New York City I had a huge uh purge of stuff all my records all my my uh books and uh, y- you know it was that era where you know you know you were you were the your merit was judged by the size of your album collection, right? And I had one of the biggest. I did. I had like a, it was a point of pride that I had a thousand albums, you know, all in <laughs> stacked, you know, into milk crates in your dorm room, this kind of stuff. and 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 hundreds and hundreds of books, right. I think I think today's generation would just would well they don't they don't under my kids don't understand that you needed to have stuff and um, that sort of articulated a position of power how much stuff you had anyway I, I purged all that stuff and there were certainly photographs from um, that two month trip to Europe but I I lost them all they all you know, got, uh, you know, in the flotsam and jetsam uh, disposed of. Um, and they're like, how can, how can that happen? Well, they, they don't understand. Um, you, you know, they, they, they have documentation of every single event that they've ever participated in by virtue of a little device that they hold in their hands. They don't understand the, the basic concept of um, taking photos And then um, developing the photos and then, you know, when you go to the film processor, half the photos are black or out of focus or your thumbs in the way, this kind of, none of that, all of that, all of that is completely, completely lost on them. The trip to Europe, we, um, we flew into Limerick, Ireland, uh, because my, uh, the, the guy I was with, Matt, his parents were in Limerick. So we used that as a base. Uh, we spent a good three weeks bopping around Ireland before we took the ferry uh, south of Ireland to Calais. So bopped around like uh, France, Germany—you know the, the the typical points of g- destination. What you know, my kids make also they make fun of me about this too. They're like, "Oh, you you went to white man's Europe, Dad!" And it's like, hey, listen, it's 1984. Um, it was a trip paid for by my parents, quite frankly, and they weren't going to let me go anywhere else. I, um, you know, I wasn't going to go to Southeast Asia in 1984. You weren't going to go to the communist bloc. You certainly weren't going to go to Central America in 1984 or South America. It was a, just a, a completely um, different different world, um, and the. You know, the funny thing about that that trip, Matt, uh, it was supposed to be three of us. It was supposed to be me and my my friend to this day, Alex, and his friend, Matt. Now, Matt, I virtually never saw again, uh, although I had spent two months with him, you know, on this grand adventure. Um, Alex dropped out of the trip and, and that left me and and Matt and by the time we had bought the tickets we were too far, far down the road I had learned this that allegedly uh, Matt had had an incident one time traveling back from Jamaica uh, with customs w- with um, something that he was trying to bring back into Canada and his luggage and I'm you know, I found this out at the point of no return, and I'm going. Oh, you know, Christ on a cracker! This is the you know, this is going to turn out to be like Midnight Express or something. Who the who the hell am I going to Europe with? Who is this this guy? Um, <clears throat> nevertheless, we we went and did, you know, you, your typical typical things uh, that you would do. Um, went to, you, you know, your places you would normally go. I mean, some things I can remember about it. it, it terrifyingly, uh, Matt had this habit of sleep driving. I mean, and I can remember most definitely like being in the Alps or something. And yeah, it, typically we would... We would sleep in the car, right? You know, at the side of the road, like a rest stop or a turnoff. And I'd wake up in the morning and I'd find we were in a completely different place. And this happened several times. And I eventually caught on to what was going on. Matt was waking up in the middle of the night and and driving. (laughs) And then, I mean, I don't know what state of consciousness he was in or, or anything, but, but the the thought of it was absolutely terrifying, particularly in the in the mountains. Um, that this was happening, and we discussed it, and I was like, you know, this can't happen. And and I, I think I took his keys, and uh, he got up in the night one time, and he said, give me the keys." And I said, Matt, you're asleep. I'm not asleep. I just, I, I really just need to drive. And I don't know, maybe because I was asleep, I gave him the keys and he drove for a couple of miles to another place, get up in the morning and ask him about it. And, and he's like, yeah, I got no recollection of that. <laughs> he's like, I, I can't really remember how this resolved itself. Um, if, if I started to drive or, 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 or what, um, so there was that. Um, the second thing that happened is that we um, we ran out of money in the in this uh, in the south of France, like somewhere around um, uh, it was either Monaco or, or Nice. We had to wait like a week or ten days. It was a really long time for our parents to wire us um, money, and I remember these to god bless them these two duke students duke university I, I didn't even know what duke was at that time gave us gave us a hundred dollars each of them hundred dollars for me a hundred dollars for matt i mean which is a lot of money i mean well they were duke students right um, <laughs> um but but that quickly ran out and i just I, I remember um like in the in the in the south of france the only thing I had to read, I for some reason I had a book by Samuel Beckett, like Malloy or Malone or something, like the the the, the most bleak, I, I, you know, thing you can can think of. I mean, you think his plays are bleak, like Endgame. He's got nothing. There's nothing like it, like the novels, which, um, you know, you're sitting there on the beach in the south of France. You're starving. You haven't you know washed. There's nude bathers all around you, and and you dumb schmuck are sitting there reading a novel by Samuel. <laughs> <Baguette>. <laughs> we would uh, we would beg for money on the boardwalk. We would steal. We would go to the grocery store. I would stick a baguette down my pants and, and walk out. Um, I remember we we found out where the Canadian. Console lived and we drove out there, which was a big deal because we certainly didn't want to run out of gas. Right. And we drove and we, I just remember yelling up at the guy. Um, and he came out through this second or third story. It was really high up window. He was just sort of like, what do you want? We're Canadians. <laughs> As if that mattered. <laughs> it's like a Saturday afternoon, right? He's probably having his nap. And I just, I, I thought he was gonna take us in, but oh no, no, no. He he said, just a minute, he disappears in the window. Um I'm expecting him well well he'll open the door and no, he comes back into the window and he throws like forty francs and change down at us and closes the window. <laughs> and that's it. Uh, we got forty forty francs out of that. Forty francs for the Canadian consul. Thank you very much, you prick. <laughs> so, so that that was you know the the gist of um, of the trip and, and uh, you know these little things. I, I I remember, but a lot of it I didn't remember until. <clears throat> I saw that film strip and I was, Oh my gosh. I, 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 I have footage of this and then, and I'm, I'm holding something back from you as I, as well, you're onto my shtick. I mean, I always do anyway. <clears throat> so we didn't just go to your sightseeing. You know, we were, college kids and we were we thought we were funny and witty and um so i was at trinity college and trinity college in toronto not not trinity college dublin trinity has um has many clubs and groups but one of them that they have is the lit the trinity college literary society um uh, which uh, sponsored, you know, like a lot of events, but one of the big things they were responsible for were debates, you know, and you'd process into the room and your academic gowns and two teams of two would go at it debating. And I, I was never particularly good at this. Um, I wasn't much of a talker. I was more of a doer. And, um, but in processing into the room, they had this thing. they had a mace and, and a mace is a processional like staff, and they had one with the crest of Trinity College on it. It was this large um club it was a it was a cudgel it was like a ten pound cudgel, really, um uniquely carved black with the Trinity Crest on it. Um, And you'd sort of, whoever, I don't know, the Grand Poobah or whoever would walk into the room with the mace in front and everyone following and this kind of thing. And we thought it would be the funniest thing, har, 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 if we took the mace to Europe and filmed it, you know, filmed it almost as if it was, you know, an articulate animate object we you know we'd film it kissing the blarney stone and we'd film it uh you know at the, the having a cappuccino in the piazza san marco you know something like this all this kind of stuff and the sucker was was heavy right as I say it was about 10 pounds my recollection so we had to create a a harness for it and we traipsed around Europe we spent more time and I didn't remember this until I saw the film we spent more time creating shenanigans for the mace to do than I think we did actually like like absorbing Europe you know we would we would dress it up in a coat and pretend it was hitchhiking at the side of the road we I you know I remember I was really into stop motion so I I sort of make it you know you take a frame you move it you take another frame you move it so you know I would do it so it would look like it was storming the beach at Normandy I I did this I did this it was sort of like slowly coming up at Normandy you know from the waves onto the beach towards the bunkers uh, it's, it's kind of ridiculous stuff. I do remember one time, I think, I think it was in Paris. I think it was around the Eiffel Tower. We were, we were walking along, we had the mace on her back, you, you know, strapped to our back, uh, and this old cupper walks by and they're like, Hey, that's the Trinity College mace. You know, it became a th- some, there were people who, who knew what this, this cudgel, uh, was, um, And I, I, you know, I don't know why we did that. I don't, I I have no, I I have no excuse except to say that, you know, when you're, when, when you're a sophomore in college, um, these are the kind of things that you think are extraordinarily funny. And um, (laughs) they're just not. So anyway, when, when, uh, <clears throat> oh, and that's, that's the other thing I, um, in finding this footage and we'll get to the footage. Uh, so I phone my dad, uh, you know, right after I found it and I say, Hey dad, my dad's 85, right? And he didn't go to Trinity. He went to McGill and I, I phone him and say, Hey dad, you remember that time I went to Europe? Yeah. Yeah. You remember when I came home, you know, I flew from Pearson, uh, to Toronto to St. John and you picked me up. Yeah. I remember that. And do you remember, d- did I have a big black stick with me and he goes oh yeah the mace <laughs> Like even he you know remembered um this tomfoolery that that we went through and um to so so back to the the bag of film full footage to the, the best of my knowledge this is this is what happened when we got back um stateside uh i quickly spliced together a movie of the mason europe um and spliced together all the stuff of the kissing of the blarney stone and the storming of normandy and piazza san marco and everything else i essentially uh intended to throw away i stuffed it in this dominion bag and the and the film itself i think we probably showed it some literary event and Har har everybody thought it was funny and uh I don't know what happened to that film. I have no uh idea whatsoever. Um y- you know, they may they may still have it at the um the Lit Archives, but they may not. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is that these clippings somehow survived for thirty five, thirty-six years in this and I uh for the life of me I don't know how that happened. I think they must have bypassed going to united states they must have somehow ended up at my parents house and then years later when my parents were um, downsizing they came back to me i think that's what happened but they sat there for for all this time and um, for me it, it was it was really fascinating i mean it, i i, I put all the trimmings together into it's a, it's like a 22 minute movie that you can find on YouTube if you just go to my if you just search on Trinity College Literary Society you'll find it or if you just go to my um, if you if you search on that on YouTube or if you go to my YouTube channel you can find it I, and I I splice the whole thing together I I cut in some songs I remember that played on the radio that um, that spring and summer while, while we were there. Um, and I kind of, I gave, well, I gave it to my kids as a Christmas present to kind of say, yeah, I know nah, I'm going to have the half, last laugh because I do have evidence that I was there. And of course, the, you know, as I said, the Mace film is gone. Who gives a crap about the Mace film? This is, there's actual, there's footage of me, um, when I was, what, in my 20s, that, uh, I mean, I had no idea that it existed, uh, really. Um, and each strip, as you're feeding that thing through the, the Wolverine, you know, you you pull a strip out of the bag and you load it and you're like, I don't know what's coming, but it's it's going to be a memory that has been lost. And as soon as I see it, it's going to be restored, which is weird, man. I mean, it's to, to put that in there and and then see like, oh, I really was in Venice. Right. Because I think I was explaining to somebody after after that amount of time. Um, you begin to doubt. Whether those experiences really, really happened. And if you're younger, you won't. I don't think you'll understand this. But a 30-year passage of time, you begin to feel like maybe you've gaslighted yourself somehow, right? So, you know, you load in a thing, and there's there's a f- standing on some Irish bluffs with sheep um, and the mace. <laughs> um, uh, I'd almost. Th- thought i imagined that i had been to the mont saint michel but there is footage of of me with like a baguette and a bottle of calvados in front of mont saint michel um looking like steve from stranger things <laughs> it's it's true it's ridiculous uh and 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 them um, you know, I think this was the last era of eight millimeter film. And, um, before everything went VHS and eventually digital. Um, and, and for me that, that was a really great era. I, I was, um, you know, I sort of forgot this. I, I was really into like movie making, uh, in, uh, in college. And, it belonged to an, like another college society, whose um, society whose name dare not be named. Um, uh, but I made films for this group, uh, and I, you know I'd spend all my time on them, and I and I had like I had a, a good visual style. I was um, I was like taking film courses, and uh, you know I liked the. German expressionists I liked you know films like McTeague um, I liked uh, you know I, I certainly Metropolis and um, Cabinet of Doctor uh, Kiligari um, uh, Nosferatu all I, I was really into the, the use of shadow and I um, I would shoot uh, a lot in black and white and, and in those days like in Toronto you couldn't get the black and white um, cartridges uh, locally. What you ha- you would have to take the Bloor bus uh, almost r- to the end of Bloor where the airport is, to the Kodak the Kodak factory, and you'd have to. I don't know if it's still there now, but it, it was, it was in the early eighties, and you'd have to you'd have to buy black and white footage there. The thing that that I remembered um, is, uh, you know, the movies I made were were really violent and really horrific like i had a really like there was um dismemberment um and uh like people getting their eyes uh, gouged out um i filmed a sequence where somebody um mm-hmm. beat me to death in in my bed with a baseball bat but i mean it just buckets of blood everywhere all these things and um, you know, all of this is predates my awakening to Teresa's murder, Quebec murder, uh, uh, sexual deviance, um, uh, you know, homicide, uh, all of this stuff, which is which is interesting. I wonder um, what kernel was going in my mind that kind of led me down down that path it's a a bit of a digression but but you know i was really i was really into the the, that was the last great era of this stuff after that it, it everything went to vhs and it became too easy um to to shoot uh uh it became cheaper um and so it stopped. It, it it lost its value. I think p- p- because they could shoot everything. People did shoot everything. I mean, I think people in the VHS era and afterwards, certainly in the certainly in the social media era, everything is overly documented. But but at that time, <clears throat> you know, you had fifty feet and three minutes to capture what you wanted to capture. Uh, it, and then that was it. That's all you had. So you had to be, you know, you had to economize on on what you did. Um, you know, if you if you had a reel for your Christmas vacation, you had three minutes. That's it. You you got to say it in three minutes. You you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to say it. Um, which is interesting, having to work so uh, you know efficiency you know under the gun that way. I, I think it, it it was a lot. It was a lot more. A lot more fun that way, and uh, I think I recall. I think for the, that Europe trip, I I don't think I brought any. I don't think I bought it in Europe. I think I brought ten rolls of film with me, so thirty. Yeah, thirty minutes. Um, so for two months in Europe, I had thirty minutes, and that that was that was it. <clears throat> My friend Chip who's a listener from Baltimore, always says, uh, you know, just go out on a limb and, and, and tell a story. Take a risk. Uh, so that's what this is. Taking a risk. I say all of that uh, to, to get to the point. There's this film of the Mason Europe. <laughs> so <laughs> stupid. Out on YouTube now. Uh, and i need your help um hey i got i looked this morning i got i got listeners in the uk in ireland in france in germany um go look at it and if you recognize a place would you please leave a comment because i don't recognize anymore everything that i i filmed i mean the obvious things i i i know um I know when I'm in Paris. I, I know when I'm at the Mont Saint-Michel. I know when I'm in Normandy. I recognize Cologne um, uh, Cathedral in, in Cologne. Um, I recognize Venice. But other things, there's a lot of footage, particularly in Ireland, that... Uh, I, I know I was in uh, Waterford, Cork, Limerick, Dublin. Um, that ring thing, the ring of... I can't remember what it's called. The Ring of Kells? No, it's the Book of Kells. Uh, the Ring of Kerry. something like that. Any, anyway, there's a whole bunch of castles, and I don't know what they are. So if you would do me a solid, um, if you have nothing to do,
0: <laughs>
1: uh, and go on YouTube and watch this little film and comment where I am. You can just kind of go at 21.36, you're at bang. At 15.15, you're at such and such. Something like that. All right? For the rest uh, uh, of the hour, uh, a little less, I want to spend a little time just going back and uh, providing some um, update commentary to some of the cases we looked at in the last year, beginning um, beginning with the Intro to Loco series, parts one, two, and three. I, I, I really liked this... Series and I because I think it really captures the feel for the early seventies. And um, I'm a little disappointed. Um, It Hasn't garnered more listening, but um, so I'd merely point it out to you if you've missed anything. That that's a good little trilogy. Um, it's season two, episodes thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen, involving the the murders, the unsolved murders of Carol Dupont, Diane Thibault, and uh, Debbie Buck. On um on the Thibault front, of course, that was the case that um, uh, the uh, Newspaper La Presse immediately um, picked up on and uh, uh, Nicholas Burby did a feature on it um, in the spring-summer and it's created a lot of attention. Uh, and her uh, alleged murderer who, uh, um, uh, the, the case was thrown out eventually, Turcotte, um Tur- Turcott got off scot-free um, his... Uh, but he he didn't stop committing crimes. Turkat um, uh, had a rap sheet that continued well into the '80s. I think the early '90s. Um, and the things you'd you, you know you'd see on, you, you, on that sheet were um, you know robberies, uh, breaking in entries, assault, this kind of thing. Of course, had he been caught for anything major, you, you would have known it, and that would have been it. But there's nothing on his uh, rap sheet to su- suggest that which suggests to me that he was never he was never caught and then he just disappears into oblivion uh episode 16 the natalie bergeron interview natalie and i um again um a, a great uh comrade uh and, and uh, an ally uh who also lives in the states the of course the bergeron cases uh, Marilyn Bergeron her sister who's been missing for over 10 years now and the privilege and honor of meeting um, their parents um uh in in November when we both received the uh the Senate of Canada's sesquicentennial uh, award which was a again um a proud moment uh, the Diane Deary Mario Corbet case from 1975 this case um uh i i can't say all, all, all i can't well i can say this stay tuned we're not done with that case um uh, longay and the natalie uh boucher case um again what are what, what are you going to say about um what are you going to say about longay <laughs> boucher uh 1985 still unsolved um I believe Guy Croteau did it, um, but that's just one man's opinion. Then we had a sort of segue away, Canadian Timber tr- Trilogy, something different. Again, a risk. Thank you, Chip. Uh, uh, dealing with the, the Gilmore Lumber Company's mysterious death in Algonquin Park of uh, Tom Thompson. And then finally, Allure Lumber and um, Trenton, Ontario Heritage. Um uh, Guylaine Potvin, boy, there's, there's a I if, if you're not in Quebec, I'll tell you right now that case is getting a lot of traction right now. This is the the woman who was found in her apartment bed, uh, strangled, murdered, uh, in uh, Jean-Claire, Quebec, um, which is uh, just north of uh, Quebec City. Um, there was a second uh, victim who, um, again, they. they they realize the connection through the DNA profile. Um, and the second uh, victim—I uh, hate that word victim, but nevertheless, there it is. Uh, she has been very, very active in the media uh, lately, trying again, as I say, Isabeau, trying to get some traction for this case. And uh, I, I hope that has a resolution in 2019. Ursula Schulz. Mm seventy two murder um, should not have happened um, but the police were more interested in um catching a robber than uh, finding a missing missing young woman uh all I'll say about the Ursula Schultz uh, case is that um her brother contacted me and we're communicating and discussing on ways of collaborating together uh, when i um <laughs> when I mentioned this uh, a um, Quebec journalist reached out to me and said oh can you put us in contact with them and I said well no they, no it, it's not how it works I'm not your research assistant no I cannot put you in contact with the brother of Ursula Scholl's, uh as much as I don't want to um, uh, uh, Melanie uh, Decan this is the Michel Deary case um, from Trois-Rivières Um, immediately, uh, like immediately after I, uh, posted that story, the the guy who wrote it, um, um, for like a, a local Trois-Rivières, uh, uh, paper, um, his, his name is Stéphane Lavec. um. And so I basically I translated his his story from French into English. He immediately uh, contacted me on on Facebook and he goes, he, uh, he goes, do you know who wrote that story? And I without a blink, I wrote him back and I said, yeah, you. <laughs> um, and in all sincerity, before I published it, I was was trying to to find him and I was having no luck. Um the name Stefan Levesque is 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 a very common name in Quebec. There's there's about two dozen of them on Facebook. So it was he he was going to need to find me, not me him. Um, just a great guy, um, Stefan Levesque. And again, um, uh, God, like a really talented writer. And I don't think he's doing investigative journalism any, uh, journalism anymore. I think he wrote a book on on hockey. Um, in in Quebec which is is, is great i'm uh, not not um looking my nose down at that uh, i i just wish he'd write more stories like he did on the the Melanie DeCan uh, case because uh, i i thought it was a tremendous piece of investigative journalism again and we don't we, the like of which we don't see very very often and i'll I'll close with um with this uh the the piece in la presse uh on on me that uh, uh nick Burve was working on uh in november came out uh between christmas and new years um and caused a spike all of a sudden we have people from montreal listening thank you where you've been for two years um but you're welcome we're glad we're glad you're here even even if you're late to the party um uh, I was I was a little I was a little disappointed with the piece in the, the, I, I thought it was going to be a little more in depth, um, uh, but th- things go that way sometimes. I'm, I'm tremendously appreciative of it. A uh, little disappointed that the last word is given to the police. <laughs> I just 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 gnaws at me, man. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, La Presse is a is a great paper. It's it's totally a digitized now it's a digital paper they don't they don't print newspaper anymore i think they gave that up about two two years ago and and i'm always i'm always happy for their support mm. um lastly the uh i think i mentioned that uh the Dutrezac uh media piece it did with, along with uh uh, Julien Morissette about our podcasts is going to be broadcast. I think Ju- uh, January 9th in Quebec, um, is the release date. So that should be interesting. I know they worked very, very, very hard on it. There were a lot of follow up questions from them, um, about it. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Lastly, I'm a bit of a dummy. I didn't even think of this. I'll just post that film, um, from Europe on my website. That's and my website is TeresaLore.com dot com. T h e r e s a, a l l o r e, dot com. Follow us on Twitter at um, Teresa Lore at T h e r e s a a l l o r e or my personal Twitter um, uh, nom de plume is uh, Justice Guy at J u s t u s. G-U-Y There's also a Facebook page Um, It's just Who Killed Teresa the podcast You can find us there And as always if there's Additional stuff I can Share with you I will be Certain to do that Anyway under an hour That's our show This has been Who Killed Teresa And I'm John Allure Have yourselves a great Great think.